Welcome. Welcome to another episode of Spine Crackers with us, your hosts. I'm Matt. Yeah, I'm Gabe. I'm Paul. Matt, I love when you just take control like that. Yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Just grab you roughly on the forearm. <laughs> feel how strong I am. <laughs> well, what's going on, everybody? Welcome. Thanks for listening. That's the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As always, thank you for listening. I couldn't tell if so you were much. asking us what was going on or the, or the listeners at first. It was a little confusing. Yeah, I get yeah. It. Well, also, what's going on with you guys? Good? Yeah. Yeah. The fourth yeah. just happened to timestamp yeah. this. Yeah. That's why we had to not record last night because it was the fourth. Mm-hmm. Too loud. We didn't too, want celebratory too, fireworks to be yeah. potentially going off while we were speaking. Too loud, too tipsy. Yeah. <laughs> did you guys do anything? Did you guys have a barbecue? No, I mean, I, I went and saw Matt. We went out to eat. Um, and then we watched uh, Inside, Bo Burnham's Inside, <laughs> and then I drove home. Nice. Um, yeah, just a classic, a classic fourth of, uh, sort of. <laughs> the most of it, yeah. <laughs> Truly just like that's that's what the Founding Fathers intended. Yeah. You guys should uh, review uh, the Bo Burnham thing. For the for our Patreon, even though it's been, been out for a long time now, it's been out for an hour. I mean, I, I only just been, recently saw it. Oh, really? It's been picked apart to death. It has been picked. Yeah. Did you I don't like, know? Did if you like, much do you more like we it, could Paul? say about it? Yeah, I mean, I I heard like one song that Matt played like a couple weeks ago, like the all the one he won for a Grammy. Yeah, that's and I just great. I was like, this is the best song I've ever heard. All and eyes just, on me. That one. Yeah, I, I love that song. Great song. Ooh. It's a great song. It's been in my head for like two weeks now. Yeah. I, I have mixed feelings yeah, about the, the, the whole thing, but some of those songs on there are all-timers. Well, maybe we should all do a discussion about it if you have I'm, mixed I feelings. Would, fine. Yeah, I will. I'll, we, we'll do a debate like we did about yeah, fucking... Well, what, was, what did we debate Batman. about? Batman. And Blade <laughs> Runner. <laughs> Patreon-only content. Yeah. Blade Runner was a productive discourse. Yeah, it was yeah. a great movie, too. And uh, I, I was so blown out, only, and like uh, my gain was so high on the Blade Runner. On one, the, was it? No, on the Batman one, oh. I was like screaming. Well, hey, that's but how, I wasn't yeah, we screaming. But that's how you do debate, yeah. man. We all know the loudest person wins the debate. Loudest mm-hmm. wins, squeaky wheel gets the grease. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, the only problem, Paul, with the uh, with, with um, what you're saying is that uh, Blade Runner is not a good movie. So that's the only oh. issue. That's the only issue there. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, the well, only issue that I have with that statement okay. is it is a good movie. Oh uh, yeah, well, those, those thoughts are in the <laughs> yeah. annals of history for only two bones. <laughs> for only two, yeah, for only, yeah. If you want to hear the full discussion, you can head over to the Patreon at Patreon.com/slash/Spinecrackers for only two dollars a month. Uh, although you have to pay five dollars if you want to watch that video. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> whoops. Two dollars though does get you all of the full episodes and access to the Discord account, Discord server, yeah. well, you, which is a, a good. You get time. them in the door. We uh we popped, and then you upsell them. We popped exactly. That's right, dude. Basic sales. We, um, you guys weren't there, but we popped our Discord group, uh, uh, live chat, voice chat the other night, which was fun. Yeah, I wanted, I do want to try that at some point. Yeah, it was cool. You guys gotta hop in there. Shout out to the Discord. Does that functionality work smoothly? Is it like a good experience? Yeah, it's super easy, super smooth. You just go in there and click and talk. Just click and talk. It's just a phone call, basically. Everyone knows about clicking and talking now. <laughs> First you click, then you talk. Yeah, I want. I'll jump on the on the next one. I was I fell asleep. That's why I didn't go on. No, that's a good reason. <laughs> Same. That's a good reason. We were up. Uh, we were actually up late that night. Yeah, you guys started at like midnight. No, Eastern. I think it was a, no, I think it was a little bit earlier than that. But we went. Oh, really? We went late. 
this old man needs his rest. Okay. We, we get it, man. We get it. No hate. Gabriel. I, I haven't gone to bed before like four in the morning because of Soulsborne games for the last two, three months. So. <laughs> is just, that really, is that, I didn't realize you were playing into the night like that. That's kind of like when I play them, you know, I don't, I don't really play them during the day just cause you know, me and me and my wife are usually doing something or I'm doing, got work to do or whatever. So it's usually, it's Gabby's gamer time, late night. (laughs) That's somehow both like responsible and completely irresponsible at the same time. Yeah, I know. It's kind of weird. I hope Morgan puts a little hat on you that says Gabby's gamer time. (laughs) Yeah. When when Gabby's got his gamer hat on, don't talk to me. (laughs) (laughs) Just a huge dunce cap, yeah. It's just I just have a T-shirt. I want to order pizza. Yeah, I have a T-shirt that I put on that says, it just says like, "Don't talk to me until I've had my nameless king." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, we got a book. Right, what, we got a book. What book today. are we talking yeah, about? Yeah. So uh, today we're talking about um, Tripmaster Monkey, his fake book, by Maxine Hong Kingston which uh, was published in uh, 1987 originally. And um, yeah, that's the book uh, that this episode is about and, and is going to be about. And you yeah. chose it, Gabriel. So I did. I did choose it. I don't have a really, um, I don't have a, like a long, complicated story about why I chose this one or anything, but I was reading, I was trying to find it before we came on the show, but I couldn't find it. I was reading some review or discussion or paper or something about another book that we were talking about at some point previously on the show. And um, I was I thought the the reviewer was was insightful and made comments that like just kind of vibe with me and I was enjoying reading it. And they mentioned in the review this book um, very favorably. And uh, so I was what like, was what book were you I'm reading about fucking, first? I'm trying to remember. I was I'm trying to remember and I can't. I was trying to and I don't and can't because my frustrating. I'm old now and I can't remember things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a it was just a good review that I was enjoying. And they mentioned this book, like I said, uh, 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 very approvingly. And so I was like, oh, check it out. And um, we did. And uh, yeah, cool. Yeah, that's that's why I picked it. What else? Do I and have she to had say? been oh. a uh, she had been a poet only before this book, or uh, or no, she wrote two other novels before she, this one. But she she got yeah. her start in poetry. I think that's right. Um, yeah, she wrote. Well, she wrote two novels before this one, the woman the woman warrior and Chinaman, uh, which also we should say uh, that uh, we there may be some. Um, how do we put it? I I don't think we're gonna be get get uh, to the point where we're gonna be saying any uh, racial slurs, but there's definitely some off color language and jokes in this novel. That there are slurs um, in this book. Yeah, there are there. Yeah, there are explicit slurs. I don't think we'll be reading any of those, but but we may be. We may read some passages that have. Because uh, the book's the book is largely not largely, but uh, one major theme is is racism, uh, both in general and specifically anti Asian racism in the sixties and in um, San Francisco, where the book takes place. So uh, there may be some uh, off color language that we read in some of these passages. Uh, and I just thought of that because I just said Chinaman. 
which is, uh, as yeah. we know, uh, not the preferred nomenclature. Yeah, it's just <laughs> not. <laughs> Shout out Big Lebowski. Well, what's so interesting is too is like, I feel like this book would also be like looked at askance way more, but it's since it's written by a woman, I feel like she writes this uh, unlikable male protagonist, not unlikable, but just sort of rough yes. around the edges uh, male protagonist really, really well. Like, oh uh, yeah, I don't know. It well, like it, it has that perspective down down pat. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean, maybe I'll just talk a little bit about the, what the book is uh, broadly about, although it's, uh, that's something of a tall order. This is also, is this the longest book we've read on the show? No, no, no. We read uh, obviously like, uh, Killing Commendatory and stuff, but this has got to be yeah. up there. Oh yeah. Yeah. This one felt longer than Killing Commendatory though. Yeah. I mean, this we book, this was a, this one was, uh, a trying reading experience for me. Like just, just, just like on a page to page level, it was like, I really felt like I had to be focusing um, yeah, yeah, it yeah. does not have the breezy Murakami pro style. <laughs> yeah, it's... Definitely, no, not. definitely not. Um, I'd say it's probably like top top five, maybe top four most difficult books we've read on the on the podcast. Yeah, I, mean, I still I, think I mean, like Base Cathedral is number one, the McElroy probably number two, and something else. There's got to be some other because it's not necessarily difficult in in the ways that those books are difficult it's just like incredibly incredibly dense but it's not like difficult reading yeah there's and also like gabe before the podcast you're talking about how this book feels like it should have been 500 pages partially because the text is just so close to the margins it's like yeah the way this book there's probably at least 100 pages more that are just written in those like yeah five or six sentences on top and bottom I mean, the way the book is formatted, it's like it has to be like 10 point font and a quarter inch margins and it's 340 pages. So, you know, whatever. Someone do the math. And and you were like, it's hard to summarize, but it's one of these books. And I think this is like um, part of the many, many, many sort of literary interconnected kind of homages that are being paid. But like the actual beat by beats of, of the plot are, are very simple. Very, it's very like a simple. Cu- couple days in this dude's existence. Well, I think there's a reference. I think the, it's a couple months. It's a couple right? months. At the end, there's a reference to an event that happens early on, and he says it was like a couple months ago. So, oh, okay. It, but we don't, but again, because time is so wonky in the way the book's written, it's hard to get a handle. Like, events just kind of flow into one another uh, <clears throat> in a way that's that makes it feel like it's a very condensed time period. Um, and every, yeah, and every now and again... I was just gonna oh, say God, it just Paul. seems like it. It did seem like a, a few days, but that that one-off sentence or paragraph that mentioned the month expanded the timeline. But it feels like just a couple days. Yeah, if it, if it wasn't for that one sentence, I would have thought it was a couple days. Well, like she also does this thing, which throws you out of uh, out of like the sort of linear time frame by it, it's. It's like you know, like he's like searching for his grandmother or something, right? At some at one point, and uh, yeah, and then it just goes like, who might not actually be his she, grandmother? Yeah, maybe not. And then like, but then it, she'll just do something where she just goes like, and you know, Popo, the name of the grandma is like, uh, or just, just I think like the t- a term for grandmother, like uh, yeah, uh. Th- would die a few years later. Yeah, just some phrase like that will happen. So you're like, so is this like a diet diary retrospective, or you know, it's all over the place like that. Yeah, 
So, so the, the broad outlines of the plot are the book follows um, Whitman Ah Singh, W-I-T-T-M-A-N. Um, there's your first literary allusion there. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> um, <clears throat> uh, through, who, who is a kind of like a, you know, beatnik, pseudo hippie, not a hippie, but more of, more of like a, you know, Kerouac beatnik type um, in, who lives in San Francisco in the mid 60s. Um, and his sort of trials and tribulations over this period of time there, he, he, uh, loses his job early on in the book. Um, he has a couple love interests. There's a, a very long chapter that just describes a, a party that he goes to. Um, and, uh, he sort of gets this idea in his head that he wants to put on this, this big grandiose play because his his uh sort of one of his big political views is that you know the theater has been has been destroyed and and it's a shame and specifically the legacy of um chinese american theater or chinese theater in general um and he wants to kind of do have a revival and and his family is is who is we'll talk about it is, is very interesting as characters they have a background doing kind of like um you know uh, like burlesque and kind of sort of carnival performances and um, you know some uh, I, I don't know what the what the term is but like blackface you know what I mean but for you know Asian yeah. people just kind of like yucking up the stereotypes in the in a theater context um, and so he wants to carry on that legacy and sort of revive the theater so that's his sort of overarching project starting about a third of the way through the book um, and there are, and that, that that's basically the plot. Um, and, yep. yeah. you know, there are long digressions and, and subplots, like the searching for the grandmother, like his romantic life, um, some of his friends that we meet, the party. Um, there's long, his, his search for uh, work, um, and the, the various people he encounters, like his family and all this stuff. And there are long descriptions of kind of, him essentially just sort of ad-libbing the play in the book but the play is not actually it's just like this is what the play would be and there's like sometimes 30 40 pages of him just doing that um yeah so yeah it's it's very kind of um in the in the group chat because it's like it's it's very stream of consciousness i would say more or less uh and in the group chat, I was saying it's kind of what did I, I forgot exactly what I said, but it, it's kind of like if like Ulysses and Catcher in the Rye and uh, a couple I forget the other books that I named, but kind of had a baby because it's very sort of about a guy trying to find himself. I, I forget how old he's supposed to be. I think he's supposed to be in his mid late 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 twenties, mid twenties, early twenties. He's like 20s. a recently graduated was, from like Cal from, Berkeley. From Berkeley, right, right. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, and of course there's the whole overarching context of the book, which is California in the sixties, um, and San Francisco specifically, Vietnam's going on, the legacy of uh, you know, the various um political uh travails of um Asian people in this country, uh, both Chinese and, and Japanese, right? Um his grandparents and people in the community have memories of the Chinese Exclusion Act and he has some Japanese friends of course who have memories of the internment camps and all that stuff so that all of that it's a it's a it's a heady brew um contextually as they say 
And it's it's all filtered through you 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 stay entirely within Whitman's subjective experience. Like it's all through his brain, yeah. which is like this disordered, both intentionally and not kind of mishmash. And he's like a lit major, so you were saying it's like this, uh, you know, agglomeration of all of these things. And I think like explicitly so, like Whitman would have read or read all this shit and like he does think in terms sometimes of of like block quotes from like Rilke poems and things like right. this and like Shakespeare quotations. Yeah. yeah, and I think that when you said earlier, Matt, that she really, she, Hong Kingston has really nailed this trope, this character trope. I mean, she really fucking nails it. Like to the point where like <laughs> you, you're, uh, I found myself like rolling my eyes like, oh my God, really? This guy's fucking like dropping like on the road references and like, to just that would have been more vital back then but that's what yeah that's what i'm saying it's totally it's totally like understandable in context and the type of person that this guy is um and she she does such a good job of like just capturing that persona i feel like she must have been i mean like i i don't know how old she is but like it, it definitely feels like she's just swapped genders a little bit and was like i i'm would she have been kind of like in her 20s at that time I don't think she would have been in her 20s. She's like probably, I'm guessing she's like 70 or maybe 80 now. Mm-hmm. So I can't do this math very she's quickly in my head. Then. But I think she's probably, yeah. I'm guessing like 40, something like that. But you're right. I mean, she she definitely like encapsulates and gets in the head of this male character like super well. Especially even with like the sexual, the sexual things. There's a lot of sexual things in here. And it yeah. feels very much real. In, a, in accordance to a male perspective. Like yeah. I'm thinking of the scene pretty late where he's like, he's with his wife who he potentially loves, but doesn't. And she potentially loves, but doesn't also. And they might break up. It's, it's an interesting relationship. Well, they also got married by like a bum who is draft dodging, who like was the pastor. Who claimed that no one has been divorced. fake religion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's like, well, yeah. I mean, this book is also incredibly funny, but I love that line where the pastor's like, you sh- you should let me marry you because uh, no one's been divorced that I've married. <laughs> it's like right. And he's I love married the idea like three, that three couples. Yeah, but there's a scene where um, Whitman's like well, and it's specifically in to bed. dodge the draft, right? Yeah, get a get a yeah. green card not for some of them, and then he was like, you can get some sort of. Uh, I don't know what I don't know if this was a real thing, like. It's not a yellow card because that's sports, but like uh, something like that, some weird exception. Yeah, it's soccer. It's sports, soccer. Yeah, football. Yeah. I know. <laughs> well, but I it's just... some. It's something for like. <laughs> it was something for like newlyweds, right? Where you couldn't be drafted if you were recently married or something like that, right? Because because Whitman doesn't need a green card. He was born. He's yeah. This, he was uh, uh, again. He's, he's American. You know, American. A, a theme in the book is his, his Americanness yeah. and how he relates to that. But yeah, it's yeah. just. Um, it's just interesting. It's like you also think about the fact that it was written in 87. And so you've got that hindsight. This wasn't written by somebody uh, contemporarily in the 60s. This is a jaded 80s, late 80s perspective on this time period, which still manages to capture, I think, some of like that doomed idealism, which is part of why this book was, I thought, pretty like fun and affirming for how many faults Whitman has, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's, he, there are so many, um, 
funny scenes with him where you know he's he's just doing the classic like 60s berkeley rebellious poet type thing where he's like you know he gets the, the reason he gets fired from his job for example is he makes like a like a toy monkey look like it's like fucking a barbie doll in front of like a bunch of kids uh, yeah and that's yeah. why he gets fired and like there's a bunch of funny scenes like with him at the unemployment office just like saying the most outlandish fucking shit and and, <laughs> and like the unemployment guy just being like what what do you want me to do with this man like you're never yeah. you can, i can't there's no, no place will ever hire you if you go in talking like this and he's like fuck profits fuck corporations like and he he's he has this very <laughs> you know he kind of wants to live uh you know freegan basically well those yeah, are like the it's... real kind of a uh, catcher in the rye type comparisons right yeah like he kind of i think he actually uses the word phony at least once but he, he does have this like idealist purist view about the world and what people should be doing with their time and there's also like a romantic ideal he has about the arts in general that i think is probably unique to the time um i don't think our generation really experienced what like the purity of the arts was for a long time i think it's like be it's become so commodified and spoken like, like a true artist paul <laughs> but you know what i mean i just i really do think that she hit the nail on the head with that even though it's like an infuriating infuriating aspect of women like he's he's a deplorable man he would be so annoying to be around but he does have these <laughs> kind of like charming <laughs> romantic ideas to ideals to his personality I I, I I wouldn't say he's uh, deplorable in the sense that he like he doesn't do anything that's like morally like egregious. But but I do agree no, he, no. he would be very uh, not someone I would want to hang out with. Well, he's just constant name dropping, uh, you know, constantly like, talking about books he's read. There's a a great scene with him and his friend Lance where they're they're going back and forth about the movies they recently watched. And I was just oh cracking my god, up. I was cracking. <laughs> they're like, oh, have you seen this one? Yeah, I've seen that one. I saw it two months ago. Have you seen this one? Yeah, I saw that one too. Oh, me too. Relatable. Is, yeah. Is, yeah. 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 I mean, it, it, I I think you know for for uh, for men of a certain age and of a certain uh, orientation, there's the same way that the uh, that you know Hong Kingston is sort of like um, looking back at the '60s with that level of kind of cynicism and, and, you know, kind of dark humor at, at, at all of the excesses and failures of, of that period of time. Uh, there's a certain type of person who I think could, could look back at someone like Whitman and be like thinking back on their own life in that same way. Uh, yeah. I, it's, I mean, obviously the sixties are such a focal point of fascination for Americans in general, right? Like a, a a genuine kind of yeah. attempt at social upheaval was made, arguably one of the more close attempts that we've had in a long time. You mean like close you know to I mean? success? I mean that relative, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, yeah, just, yeah, totally. just one of, one of the more like rupturous kind of one of the, they went harder that like all the boomers, right. Basically is, is the age range we're talking about. Like right. they did have a genuine mo. I mean, they fucked it up and sold it out and all that kind of stuff. But like, posers they they had a moment that that is i think what you're saying paul had a a kind of purity in the sense of genuine a genuine feeling like yo we're we're going to paradigm shift the country uh that was obviously as we know now in 2022 is squashed uh but you 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 catch a little bit of that spirit here 
I, uh, it was probably pretty cool to be a part of. Yeah, there's actually a a, a passage yeah. that speaks to that, Matt, that I kind of want to read that I just that I um, star just because I feel like it spoke to that that energy. Um, let me see. It's it's always hard to know where to start with these passages because this there's so much. <laughs> yeah. Just like it's so. Uh, uh, you know, like I said, stream of consciousness and like just a lot of uh, walls of text. So um, let me see. OK, so I think that this is uh, um, this is on 149. And this is sort of the context here is like this is the I mean, it won't matter for you guys. You have the um, Kindle edition, I think. Right. Uh, not to out you as Kindle uh, enjoyers, but um, it's a it's yeah, this is. Yeah, we can we can uh, debate the morality of Kindle on uh, for, <laughs> morality, yeah. for the page for the, for, for the patrons, um, but this the context of this is that this is sort of the morning after the the party, right? And they're all kind of like the the few people who are who stayed awake through the night and didn't pass out or leave or whatever are hanging around the kitchen table and the um, winners of the party as they call the them winners themselves. of the party, right? Which is the name of this chapter. Um, and they're eating breakfast. The the host guy Lance is, makes a, a omelet, um, and there's this beautiful description of like the light, the the light in the morning, right, coming in and, and kind of bathing them all, and they're all kind of like wondering if they're hallucinating somehow. And it's 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 a really well written scene. But um, just to Matt's point, so it says um, a feeling went through Whitman that nothing wrong could ever happen again, or had ever happened. It's very good sitting here among friends, coffee cup warm in hands, cigarette. Together we fall silent as the sun shows its full face. The new day, good show, gods. Why don't I from now on get up for every dawn? My life would be different. I would no longer be fucked up. I set out, one, <laughs> I set out on more life's adventures with these companions, the people with whom I had seen dawn, my chosen family, were about to change the world for the better. And I think that that just yeah. kind of captures the spirit of the age, um, and it's all and also the spirit of Jordan Peterson. Get up early, clean your room. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, somehow a little bit of Jordan dashed in what was ob- the opposite of Jordan Peterson. <laughs> we all, know, we all know Jordan Peterson loved the '60s. Yeah, he, he's very vocal about how much he yeah. thought it was good. Uh, and Huelbeck. Uh, <laughs> um True. I just I just highlight a sentence because this was the first. It's er, super early on. I don't know what page, but it's like a good example of these little turns of phrase uh, that are just I think so out of left field and good. He's he's talking about how he didn't want to go to the the zoo because you know the animals are in fucking prisons, <laughs> man. Yeah, yeah. But then he just says, uh, "The stained polar bears make you want to throw things at them and to bite into an eraser." <laughs> I highlighted that line too, dude. That's so funny. I, I, and I'm like, I actually agree with that. This, the <laughs> specifically the stained polar bear, which I've seen at the Bronx Zoo and stuff, it is the most oh, one of the most depressing so sights. Sad, dude. But yeah, so it wants yeah. to eat us, and it's just like in there, biting in, like piss, biting into the eraser. It's so funny. That's a great line. Um, I wanted to read a little passage. Just, I think it gives a, a good example of. Just how he interacts with other people, women interacts with other people, and how, like, kind of the banter he's after is. And I also think it's really funny. But this is when he's, I think he's at his job and he meets this guy that I don't, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think he meets him again. He's like this guy down in, like, a, 
He's in the stock room. He's in the stock room. I think. And he doesn't meet him again, right? But he invites him to his play to be in it later on. Okay. I mean, pretty pretty much much, up to him. Pretty much all of the minor characters in the story wind up at the play at the end. Yeah. Which is a fun little, you know, it's like, yeah, classic at the movie. Everyone comes back on ensemble moment. So, uh, yeah, once again, I don't know exactly where to start this, but I'm just going to start where I highlighted. Uh, yes, I keep out of the way. He was one of those older guys, hip to the underworld, an ex-con maybe, or a beatnik, who will never sell out. Work some, hide out some, make accordion, make accordion time. He was giving Whitman valuable true orders. I'm hip, said Whitman. I'm hip to accordion time. Like collecting garbage fast before the sun comes up and free by morning by the day. Be a garbage man. Be a mailman. This stock guy wasn't a jailhead then, but wise to jobs. How to work from the inside. What do you do down here with your extra time? Handle consciousness. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I do too. Me too. I want to do that too, man. How do you do it? Have you found any good ways? Lay low, right? <laughs> and then they go. They just keep going on. <laughs> like, I just love this interaction where they like they just like think each other are. They just think they're so cool. That's a and they're great... just in this stock room. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's also like I don't know. I was picturing that scene. Also, just the just the the line that I'm officially making the mantra of my life is uh, make accordion time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like I was just picturing that scene. And again, because the whole book is written in this kind of hazy. Um, and I want to talk about whether or not Whitman is is losing his mind or on drugs, because he makes a point at multiple times throughout the text to be like, I didn't do any drugs. I didn't smoke any weed. I'm, I'm not doing any drugs right now. Um but that seems to be uh, belied by the contents of his mind at any given moment. Um, so I kind of want to talk about that. But I was just picturing that scene that, that this this weird like monk stock man, like deep in the bowels of the storeroom <laughs> of this fucking like sitting in an illuminated pool of light, just fucking making accordion time <laughs> and just well, they're blowing smoking weed. his mind. And he and that guy is like. Because obviously, like like we were saying before, like uh, there's many references to Kerouac specifically, and uh, you know this is this is the time where like the Beatniks kind of paved the way, and that prior generation is like looming super large over you know him now, like kids his age, right? Uh, you know, because America's phony, and we got out of the war. And we, we saw the lie we saw the mask slip and we saw the lies and we're we're not going to do that we're not going to be slave uh, have slave uh, morality and whatever and whatever, um, and yeah that so the, I don't know when when is the sixty eight is considered like into the seventies is considered like the JFK assassination Manson mm-hmm. these are like the kind of like milestones that destroyed the the, the transitional moment sixties yeah. yeah. I mean, I and those haven't happened yet because it's like the mid. We're still pretty. We're just in Vietnam. And, yeah. Um, well, also, I mean, it's it's also interesting because like I forget who said this or where the quote was from. You, you might have told me about it, Matt, or someone. I forget where I heard this, but I heard it relatively recently. But it's like, and this is true. It's it's like yes, but also at the same time, like the '60s in a lot of ways didn't happen until the '70s. Like the, every decade has like its echo in the next decade. And yeah, yeah. I, I I just think that that is sort of part of the this book as well because 
one thing we haven't talked about that I think we need to, um, despite how... <laughs> how uh, more or less utterly ill-equipped we are going to be to do so. We've talked a lot mm -hmm. about the, uh, the like American influences in the context of America and the you know, literature of the time. This book is also deeply, deeply uh, steeped in Chinese literature, Chinese history, Chinese folklore, um, yeah. all of these stories that are passed down and these novels and, and all this stuff that, you know, people in the West are just, you know, less exposed to as well. Um, and those were the parts that I, you know, I, I, I mean, I just unquestionably missed a shit ton of like reference, oh, for sure. references and like connections. I mean, I read somewhere that the, the book is in general like somehow loosely based i don't know if it's structural or like content or what on um journey to the west which is one of the like really really early chinese novels um that sort of synthesize uh that sort of synthesizes a lot of like chinese folkloric concepts and legends and histories of wars and stuff into a, a novelized form and there's a lot of references to to that sort of stuff in this text also um do you just think trip trip master monkey man it's the, the monkey king exactly like, the cover of the book is basically it, modeled uh, off Wu, of like Wukong, right yeah sun wukong yeah uh and you know that that's the, you'd see this shit in like weirdly enough like dragon ball z and stuff like or dragon ball or like uh there's literally a video game being made currently that's going to release that's black like myth based it's, on that. it's uh it's paul's yeah. favorite game it hasn't come out yet it's my favorite game it yeah. hasn't come out yet it's a fair game yeah <laughs> but so yeah i mean paul's like, paul's literally been talking about this game for like four years like as soon as the first like still image came out he was like it's my favorite game yep. yeah <laughs> You're gonna fall into that Obviously gamer trap game where you made. get you get super wrapped up in like something that hasn't come out yet. You're like, this is gonna be good, and I'm going to be happy when it's out. Yep. And then, it, <laughs> yeah. and then, uh, and then it's just like okay. What happens like, if it's bad? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so y y there's it, it wears that influence heavily. Whitman is constantly calling himself like a monkey, a little monkey man. Yes. And uh, and so going into going into fits of monkey behavior too. Yes. And that, that's why you, you were saying, like, Dash of Ulysses in here. And I, I think it's doing, in part, like, a, a similar thing to, like, you know, taking the Odyssey and applying it um, extremely loosely to the mundane life of, like, a kind of aspirant artist. Uh, and, yeah, just occasionally grafting that onto some some similar event in that novel and trying to kind of like revitalize it and, and contemporize th this ancient story that I think uh, still holds power and, and, and make it contemporary. I, Cause I feel like that's in part what Joyce was, was trying to do. Right. And that's like what the modernist project was in part was like old forms re you know, revivified for contemporary audiences. Yeah, absolutely. And and yeah, I mean, I think that that's a, a, a good way to kind of illustrate the the depth of the because, you know, in literary, literary circles, anytime you say, oh, this is kind of like Ulysses, that's a yeah, that's a, yeah, it's a, it's a big <laughs> that's a big claim. Right. And it, well, it it's yeah. both and it's, it's an often made one. <laughs> yeah, it's both a big claim. And it's also one that's often, yeah, like Matt said, just like kind of tossed around. But well, it's a I, difficult claim to make, too, because in those sections, 
of, of this book where it is, it, she does dive deep into the history. Like you were saying, Gabe, like I, we, we just, I, I literally had no idea what was going on because if, if there, if there were jokes and satirical elements to these passages that we don't know about, we, we just don't know about them because we don't know the history. So to me, it was, I mean, I didn't necessarily glaze over it, but it was difficult to read mostly because I was frustrated because I was like, I know I'm missing, like there's been so much like cleverness and humor throughout the rest of the book. And in these sections, I'm like lost. And I well, know that there's probably things being said that I'm just like, mm. oh yeah. I mean, a hundred percent, like you, you would, you would have to be, you know, um, either someone who grew up with this stuff in, in the sort of cultural ether or someone who deeply has read into it or knows the history or whatever to, to, to get this book. That's just like, you know, uh, t totally clear. I'll, although what I do, what I will say is that I think even in those sections where, you know, and most of these sections um, that we're, that we're referring to come in Whitman sort of describing to others his fictional play basically. Right. Um, yeah. And what, how the play would go, even in those sections when I didn't get the references or obviously stuff was going over my head, I still thought it was really enjoyable to read just as like folktale, right. Just as like, stories in the in the oral tradition and i think that's kind of what whitman is doing there he's like you know he's pitching a play but he's also retelling these oral tradition stories from chinese culture in a way that i i found to be very engaging to read even though i knew that i was missing a lot mm -hmm. and th and that's that's like his whole not just like the play but like his whole <laughs> demeanor and being is is meant to He's trying to redefine Chinese identity in the West. Like yes. he's trying to create, like in the '60s, you're trying to like expand consciousness and 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 shift the paradigm away from whatever capitalist war machine shit going on. He's also it's I think it's it's not just confusing because it's like you know I read the journey of the w journey of the West in college, so I, I, I kind of remember some stuff about oh, it shit. and like it, it's referenced. Uh, but that's that's mixed in with all these other literary influences that he has that's also mixed in with like just like chinese american slang and like pigeon yes. speak and also the play is not journey to the west the play is like um, got journey to the west in it but then it's mostly about the three kingdoms and some sort right. of historical period super like, violent historical period in china where like it was trying to reunify it was and like everyone a was like war between like three brothers who were in charge of different kingdoms yeah, and I think there's some. I think they were actual historical personages in some way that obviously become larger than life and mythologized. So it's it's like it's constantly a mixture of like everything all at once. Yes. And then the through line is this play that he's trying to write, and all of it is in an attempt to confound people. You know, because he doesn't like. In a way, he's he's trying to like concretize an identity, but he's also desperately trying to avoid the current one yes um, and i think and, that... and so he's always like he's he even says explicitly like every time he encounters a stereotype every time he hears a stereotype he's like makes a mental note he's like do the opposite just do something different fuck mm -hmm. like i don't want to i i hate this i hate being seen and then categorized like i hate that yeah I, he's he's sort yeah. of like and there's a lot of I want to come back to the language thing in a minute, and we may have to save it for the for the Patreon, depending on how the time shakes out here, because we're already we're already getting, you know, 
It's crazy. It's crazy how little well, you feel. It's like, a 500 page book. It's a 500 page book too. Yeah, yeah. In spirit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it, yeah, it's nuts how little you feel like you've said and how how fast the time goes. But yeah, um, you, you know the. Uh, he talks a lot about other races in the book too, right? Like the way that the, the, the like black culture is and Latin American culture, you know, he, he, in the parlance of the time just uses the term Mexican. Right. Um, but he sort of, and, and specifically, so the book ends with essentially like a really long, just monologue of Whitman sort of like stating his like purpose statement that's like the whole last yep. chapter, basically, to the audience at his play, which does wind up being uh, staged and performed and um, becomes seemingly pretty successful, actually. Um, yeah. It, like it, yeah. Gets, it gets reviewed in the papers in San Francisco and uh, people like that, you know, tons of people are coming to see it. He did o- it over the course of like three nights, I think. Um, he succeeds on some level. Yeah, there's a and happy so, ending there. Yeah, yeah, and so the book ends with him just giving this this monologue, basically about his various things that he thinks. Some of it, some of it relevant and interesting. Some of it not really, and it just a good insight into his mind. But anyway, I think the whole question of of race in the book, and obviously, right, we've talked about the the sort of dichotomy between the American literary influence and the Chinese literary influence, and and culturally, but he's watching him navigate that like you said matt i think is just really fascinating because it's this it's this conflicting impulse to find what is valuable to him in his own culture which he at various points in the book wants to reject harshly and be like no i'm this i'm not like this you know, pro- probably because of the the stereotyping and the racism, and other times wants to embrace, um, and wanting to forge this new identity. It's almost like a it's almost like a proto post racial sort of you know move that he's trying to make. Right before that, that was that that term uh, meant something you know negative. Um, he's like con- he yeah. seems like he's just constantly like trying to be a one man. Like almost like Trotskyite perpetual revolution, <laughs> like just you know definitely. Yeah, he's just yeah he's just constantly like torn between like you said those two impulses. I think that Maxine she's like very interested too in in this idea of like you know other immigrants that are white or you know, like Italian people that are come over to America, they're accepted both in their heritage, but also as Americans. And that's a, that's a big issue she has with people like Whitman who were born in America. They have American citizenship, but they still (laughs) somehow are not classified as an American like that. She's, she sees a big separation between that type of racial dynamic that uh, she thinks absolutely sucks. And Whitman goes on a lot of trumpeting speeches about about that in particular. But as as Gabe was saying yeah. too, right? Like the chronology matters too. The '60s is it's very like it's a it's placed in this period of time for I think a whole bunch of reasons. And one would be like, yeah, twenty five or twenty three year old dude's uh, parents, right? Would 
would have known things like inter- the internment camps, would have known the Exclusion Act like pretty clearly. It wouldn't, his grandparents, it w- it at least, be, the Exclusion Act, probably. Or the, yeah, for his grandparents. Because yeah. um, that was, that was but, late, late 1800s, I think, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, going all the way to like, you know, like bums taking the rail lines and then people being like, you know, who built the rails, you know, that kind of thing. Like, yeah. it's all, it, 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 I feel like, you know, now we have, um, well, well, like recently, right. We did like the stop Asian hate thing. Uh, so there's like those moments, obviously it's still a fucking problem and it never seems to go away, but like, uh, yeah, it just would have been more of a reality, I think, for someone in the '60s. Yeah, it's just more recent Chinese. history, right? Like, it's just more recent history, yeah. and, and and yeah, and there's also the racism like the, you was know, just more. I don't want to say more, pronounced. but like blatant in a different way, right? Yeah, yeah, and it, it was it wasn't just the internment camps, but it's also like Asian hate in general after World War II, and of course Vietnam being like going on during the yes. during the book as well. Right. Yeah, absolutely. But I, even without with that being said, though. Whitman still just disagrees with it and hates it. You know, he still just doesn't see like how right. it can be acceptable <laughs> in a certain way. Oh, which, of course, of course, is true. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, he's I, on he's on point with a lot of stuff. I mean, that it's like the hippies get made fun of so much, but it's like yeah, y- you know, that the, they got a couple things absolutely correct. You know, it's not just like all like dumb, you know, smoking stinky pot. dreads. Stinky, don't be. Stinky dreads. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, that's gross. Though. Ew. One uh, of my, uh, I... but but I think Whitman also feels um, ambivalence even towards the hippies and the beatniks yeah. too, right? Because he's he, he yeah. And the hippies and the beatniks, I think, right? Like, is are two categories that are worth distinguishing. It's like it's yes. like there's you know similar vibe, but like you know it's like punk kids versus metal kids, right? It's like the where the the, the the narcissism of small differences or whatever, where they just fucking hate each other and like yeah, you're <laughs> you're lame, you're whack, I'm the best. Yeah, but there's a there's a line. There's where, obviously like, some crossover though too, probably. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Makes the hate even more powerful, dude. When there's like similarities. <laughs> yes. Oh, hundred yeah. percent. Because you you see the things you hate in yourself. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, but one of my. Uh, Sorry if you can hear my dog barking in the background. Um, I love it. It makes it it makes it cozier and homier. Yeah. Yeah. Ambiance. So, okay. In the room is that one's that one's not good. No. (laughs) (laughs) I like I said that it was immediately punished for saying it was cool. (laughs) Punished Gabe. Um, But one of my favorite lines in the book. So there's a great scene where he's at the unemployment office. And I think this speaks to, to this, to like just all of these tensions that are going on in, in women's head and in, in, in the time. So he's at the unemployment office and he there's this old, old Chinese woman there. And she's just like, oh, you're Chinese. And he's like, yeah. And she just like it immediately enlists him on this like long quest to like help her with her like unemployment yeah. filings. It's like it's like really funny. But, you know, he's commenting throughout it that like this is part of what it means to be in a marginalized community in America like this at that time, right? Like you have, you just, it's just an implied obligation that you have to watch out for each other and like have each other's back. Right. And even in these, uh, 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 situations where you're like, I really don't want to fucking do this. Like you just do it. Right. Like you just have to do it. Yeah. Um, and there's a great line. So I'll just read the paragraph, but, uh, the, the ending is really what, what strikes me. Um, 
so she's kind of telling him how to fill out the unemployment form and giving him like some tips and she she has all the answers memorized she's like you don't even have to read it it's just no yes no no none no yes <laughs> yeah this <laughs> is like, so funny um, it's just like up up down down left right yeah. yeah exactly konami code um so he's like all right all right yes he blackened out the no and wrote yes besides the blot enough unemployment counseling the government can do its own dirty work see what you have to put up with if you want to have community any old chinese lady comes along she takes your day you have to do her beckoning the hippy dippies don't know what they're in for they couldn't take communitas (laughs) 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 i just think it's so funny like this this idea that like you know something like the even the ideals of the hippie movement right is like the, the the criticism of like I don't even know if you've really thought through what this would look like right or what it means in like day to day day to day life right I just thought that line was so funny yeah that's why I like the 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 period is so fun to analyze because you it's one of those things where you can watch in real time running up against those realities whether those the realities were justifiably desired to be changed by said hippies so that they could have communitas and, and enact their ideals in a way that was frictionless and not just annoying, like waiting right. in a queue at, right. at like a government building. Yeah. And just having to help someone when you don't want to. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, that's relatable for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. True. Um, but yeah, I would say if a psychologist were to analyze Whitman, they would say he just basically has like oppositional defiance disorder. Yes. <laughs> like th- that's, that's basically just his whole thing is just like he, he, he cycles through a bunch of sometimes contradictory worldviews in hours. And, you know, like he does like yes, man, for a while where he's just like, let it all fucking flow and you just whoever you happen to be around and that's your family like that's your family and then at other times he's like god damn it get this loser off of my tail yes exactly Uh, yes so he's he's realistically he's very realistically uh kind of at odds with himself yeah i yeah well and he's like i was gonna say i think his psychoanalysis like that adds a bit from his his identity is maybe it's lack of identity am i more chinese or am i more american and i think it just it kind of breathes into his character deeply he he's i I feel like he feels sometimes like he's terminally american like he's cursed right yes he's cursed with the fact of his his uh nation and con and, and context when I think Again, that relatable. I think that yeah, right, exactly. And I think that comes out in terms in in like in things like for example his you know obsession with and what we can talk about this more. Like he's kind of a doomer, right? Like his obsession with war yeah. and the bomb and you know he's, which, he's which, a doomer course, in a way that like of course was, could was only a thing. be in the 60s. Yeah, exactly, which of course was a real thing at the time. Um but you know, he's he I think that in terms of that American curse, right, Matt? Like he really feels that heavily. You know, he calls himself a pacifist and he's like dodging the draft. And, you know, I think he that is one of the ways that it really manifests for him feeling the burden of like his own Americanness. Mm hmm. Yeah. And just like the the almost cliche of of having no home. Right. Like that. I feel like that's a big description of uh, 
immigrants or children of immigrants or people like we were reading a uh, uh, god damn it I can't I'm not gonna, museum of unconditional surrender like mm-hmm. that that kind of yeah. state of being where you're just sort of like alienated from like literally every part of your life and world that could could have been uh, a place of like like a p- place a home or a place of familiarity or whatever it's all kind of vaguely uncomfortable to be in. <laughs> just alive yeah yeah but it's yeah but you know like the main difference there is that in that book like she felt not at home in like her crim- her crumbling uh country that was her own and yeah. Whitman is like he's in a thriving society which is America and can't feel comfortable there right you now although you know San Francisco is always it's it's be- it's a lovely city I've been there it's okay but it was always also a little bit of a shithole. Don't don't go down the conservative talking point rabbit hole here, Matt. <laughs> yeah, and no, we don't know I, what it was I, like in the sixties. I, I it's not. I'm not. I don't. I'm not trying to be conservative about it. I just mean <laughs> like. Uh, I don't know. It's like famously where a lot of that those um those like it's like synonymous with the 60s right like that's i guess yeah like and and therefore the the failings of that and so well, it and does I conservatively like get pointed out as Asian like an exemplar of America, why that doesn't work yeah yeah and then because it's on the pacific it's it's got a huge asian population right mm-hmm. um we haven't talked about tanya at all is that how you were pronouncing her that's name? how i was pronouncing it yeah 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 yep. because um, I, I, maybe we'll feel safer for the patreon but i think we might uh, this because this, I mean, this book to me was very, very romantic in a in a strange way, and there's some very beautiful, like loving passages. Yeah, and he has a character is really interesting. Yeah, his but. his love life is is really fascinating. I mean, there's a shit ton we haven't talked about, so the Patreon segment might yeah the Patreon half of the show might be uh, kind of long. Um, but yeah, I, I totally agree that there's a lot of like really beauty, uh, beautiful sort of <laughs> moments of uh, in his relationships, like his um, like his the, the part in his closing monologue about about marriage and like the dishes and like, oh, man, that fucking like hit me hard. Like that was a, that's that was beautiful. Um, <laughs> yeah. And we'll talk. We can talk about that on the Patreon segment. But uh, we're we're coming up uh, rapidly on an hour here, boys. I can already. feel it. So my, in, my internal clock um, is ticking. We may have to uh, put a pin in it for the moment and, and get to the uh, closing segments. Um, oh, shit. OK. And I unless, need to find my fucking word. God damn it. Oh, yeah. Oh, I got, there's a, there was a lot of words in this one that, that I thought. I know. Good. I highlighted one, um, and then I never took a note, and it's, like, probably dead in the middle of this long book. dingus. I'm um, a stupid man. All right. Well, uh, if you're new to the show, at this point, um, we like to do a little something called... <laughs> You're you're a monkey god, Harry. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be a way cooler ending for the Harry Potter books, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Harry turns into monkey god. Um, Harry turns into a hairy monkey god. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, So anyway, we're this segment is called. uh, We literally just read another book, and this is where (laughs) we um, indulge our basest impulses and talk about Harry Potter. And specifically, we put the characters from the book we just read into respective Harry Potter houses. Now, that's right. Get over it. Yeah, get over it, uh, Artie. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you're still here, yeah, and you yeah. probably are. Yeah, yeah. You, what do you, you know, guys want to do? I mean, I think there's... We could do... We Like you said, Paul, we haven't really talked about Tanya or Nancy, but I think we could do uh, at least Tanya. Nancy doesn't get as much time. I mean, yeah. on, honestly, I feel like we could... We, we probably only need to do Tanya and Whitman. Yeah. What about Lance? I, mean, I don't think Lance gets enough time. Okay. I mean, yeah, we could right. maybe do Lance. Lance is I mean, it, Lance is an agent of chaos in my mind. Yeah, it is Whitman time like, for the most. Basically, it's yeah, just Whitman time. Yeah, it's Whitman time. All right, so let's do Tanya first, and this is uh, one of Whitman's love interests who he, as as they as as we talked about already, uh, sort of informally marries, and is referred to as his wife throughout the rest of the book, um, and she's a white woman who works at what at an insurance company. Um, she's like yeah she's a claims she's an actuary or like a claims, claims adjuster, adjuster or something yeah and of course there's that's that you know interracial relationships and the class dynamic there's like a whole lot more we can go into and maybe we will um what do you guys make of tanya in terms of harry potter absurdly of everything comes out uh, just saying it so seriously. I know. I I think she's Gryffindor for the basically. She does seem pretty, uh, you know. She's actualized. Like, it seems. She seems actualized. Much. She's very comfortable. Like when she goes to meet Whitman's family and all his friends. I mean, but there are. He does make a few comments that like, oh yeah, like of course she feels like she can be anywhere. Like she's white, right? Like she doesn't have to feel weird or awkward in basically any context, yeah. right? But still, she's like pretty much like she's just a lo- she's along for the ride, and she's down for doing a lot of strange things with Whitman. True. Like she if you think, think if you think yeah. about it, if you break it all down, like that's a that girl that's a that's a down bitch. I'm sorry. Like she's just <laughs> like he's just like yeah. I don't have a job. You come. You, let's go find my lost grandma. Like come meet my family. And like be in like, my play. And she just go. does it all. Yeah. Marry yeah. me. Marry yeah. me. Marry me. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. the big one, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think Griffin Yeah, anyone willing enough good. to go on like a roller coaster ride of a human being or you know, with a human being like that is yeah, I would say I agree. Gryffindor. I was uh, I was unsure, but I think it's Gryffindor for all me. Alright. Easy money. Um well you know what that means. It's women time. Women's it's time. women time. <laughs> women is a raven claw. Uh, okay. That would have okay. been a good title for the book. Bad, women is yeah. a raven claw. Raven no, it's Claw Whitman time. His fake book. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, because he's not. He, he is about himself, but he's also, you know, he's a fucking traveler, man. <laughs> he's a seeker. Yeah, he just wants uh, to fucking. Yep. Take it all. He's in. fighting. Well, he believes. He, he believes in art mm-hmm. as a uh, essential part of being alive, which is very Ravenclaw. True. Is it, or is Ravenclaw like? stereotypically like i fucking love science well that's the stereotype but they also love art they do love uh, art i mean think <laughs> about we always, we always come back to this and it's like luna lovegood is a fucking ravenclaw i know, I mean, I know. the only yes. person's a scientist Never she like forget. freaking has you know dream catchers and shit and like yeah bugs that luna lovegood would sing her happy birthday she's a hit, right she's a, she luna lovegood kind of is tanya yeah that's right so yeah. is tanya is ravenclaw <laughs> oh shit fuck <laughs> Fuck, dude. No, no, no. She's no, still Gryffindor. No. I, I think Whitman is a Ravenclaw. Yeah, I, I, I'm down for that. I think that's uh, I think that's good. 
Yeah, sick. I'm down for it as well. All right, we're we that's that was easy. We're in agreement. Cleared. Clear. Um, <laughs> clear. <laughs> Next Le- level complete. Level complete. Next task. Um, all right. Well, so the next. What's the next segment, y'all? Words. Word. Yeah. And what's that? Do all about? say a word. I'll yeah, do mine who wants first. To go first. All right. I'll I picked a funny one because this I. This is where we just say a word from the book that was uh, new to us or, or interesting or uh, good for Scrabble. Yeah. Yes. My word is. Uh, I'm not going to be able to pronounce it correctly. It's a Japanese word. Naji Majhai, which means your mother's. You remember this from the book? Your mother's c word. I'm not going to say. I don't like saying that word. Oh, it means your mother's c word. uh, Yeah, yeah, I do remember that. That's good. Keep that in your back pocket. Just shout that at some guy in upstate New York. (laughs) Naji (laughs) Majhai. Don't do that. All right. All right. I'm not going to do that. No, I know. All right, Matt. What's your word? You get away with it. Uh, Howda. Damn it, dude! That was fucking mine. We are so wow. Uh, we are so on the same wave. Like, did, I had a second one that I chose, but I couldn't find it fast enough, so I had to deal I, with this. Didn't one. I do this to you last time? You did this to me last All time. Right, my fine. turn. I, I'll have to deal with it. Yeah. So H O W D A H. It is a. It is like the the sort of carriage seat that they put on top of an elephant. <laughs> Yes. Oh, that's amazing. That's great. That's I don't remember this word, word. while well, reading. But. And I and to, to get my nerd points, I did know it, but I always forget about it. Uh, and it, I think it's a great Scrabble word. It's a very good Scrabble word. All right, fine. Yeah. Well, because because Matt stole the good one, I have to uh, I have to use my backup, which um, is a word that I probably should have known, but but didn't. And it's um, proscenium, which is yeah. apparently all of a the it's the part of the theater stage. The hang that is just in front of the curtain, like before the curtain goes up. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know that word, so that was new to me. That is a good one. Nice yeah. theater word. Yeah, yeah. We kind love of a curtain skirt. Curtain skirtin. Skirtin. We love theater, and it's we kind of like if you're, f- if you, <laughs> <laughs> if you're fat and your gut kind of comes out of the front of your shirt. Dude, I'm right here. That that's a proscenium. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good. Good words. Well, we right. love you, and you, we love what's happening. In your yeah, shirt. that's right. Is... Yeah, you do love what's happening in my shirt. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, that only leaves one thing, boys, and that is scores to score this. Dibs bad not. Boy. Ooh, gotcha, Paul. I actually kind of wanted to go first because I don't care anymore. Ooh, I love that for about you, dude. I love about that. that game. I love that mental change. <sighs> nice. Um. Yeah, when Gabe. And I first got on, he asked me what I thought. And my initial reaction was like, I don't know, obviously. And then I was like, I kind of don't know if I liked it. But, I mean, the discussion always helps. And uh, I think it's one of those books that I'll be thinking about for a long time. It's like exceedingly interesting, even though the plot, I, I would say, is like when we described it, it's kind of direct. Like, But it's put together very disjointedly and strangely. And the writing seems to change slightly a lot like slightly but not incredibly it just it like kept you on your toes the whole time um it was very very funny very witty um there's a lot of it obviously i didn't understand i do kind of think that there's like a something missing there was something missing for it for me that i can't put my finger on exactly that doesn't that is like taking away from a higher score for me um, I think I was saying to Gabe earlier too, it's like it, 
it's like incredibly wordy books have to have like something very, very meaty and juicy at the core for me to like really, really enjoy them. And, you know, perhaps I just missed it, but there, there was something lacking at the core for me. Like, I, I just don't, I can't even put my finger on exactly what this book was about. You know what I mean? So that kind of takes the score down for me. But I, I do think I'll be thinking about this book for a long time. My, my score and my appreciation might go up over time. But that being said, I think it's going to be a 3.8 for me. That's very high. That's good. Nice. I, it's it's a great book. Yeah, uh, I guess. Uh, yeah, I also think it was. I thought it was really good. I, I think that sort of um, you're living in Whitman's head, like so. It, it's like at times the book can feel really claustrophobic, and Whitman is an exhausting person. So it's like uh, every now and again the book does lapse into just like tedium. Every now and again, because like. It's just exhausting to be in this man's brain, and that's what you you're experiencing. That's why it's this this like whirlwind of just references flying at you, and just bizarre observations, and just the kind of phenomena of his of his day to day. And I love that kind of thing where it's like, yeah, you you, you go to an uh, unemployment office and wait in line, but it's still that was like one of my favorite parts of the book. Um, just revitalizing this this uh, otherwise like you know stereotypically boring and just like dull activity and yeah i think the reason there's no like there there in the middle is i think in part because like you're in whitman's brain and whitman is seeking a core whitman is seeking some sort of like we've been saying identity uh so solidity is not the the name of the game here it's like the negative space of what he's swirling around that is kind of like there to be this question mark that you ponder uh so yeah i i thought it was really good uh my score's gonna be a little lower than paul's um but you know our scoring system at this point so it's still solid i was gonna give this a 3.6 oh nice nice right. i mean that's like pretty similar but yeah uh, i agree with i mean just i do agree with what you said though it's like more about the swirling nature and i do think gabe's point about it being like catcher in the rye is actually kind of on point because it is kind of a coming of age story in a lot of ways mm-hmm. young kid finding himself. Whitman definitely read that book as well yeah 100% um, when did that book come out does anyone off the top of their heads or 60s or early 50s 60s someone, yeah, someone, someone look it up um, yeah I think uh, I think a lot of what Matt said is on point is that you know being in this this guy's head is Oh, 51. 51, okay. Earlier than I thought. Um, is really, uh, at times, trying. Um, it's, 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 it's also very funny. It's also very insightful. It's also very poignant and beautiful. But it, it becomes, um, yeah, definitely trying and, and exhausting at parts. I mean, particularly, I'm thinking of, for me, it was some of those extended, just him describing his play to other people on multiple occasions that went on for 10, 15, 20 pages. Um, You start to kind of, I don't want to say glaze, but it becomes a bit of a slog. Um, But that being said, that's really my only kind of issue with the book. I think, I think otherwise it's like pretty brilliant. I think it's a really, 
interesting exploration of a specific time and place and does a really good job of um, pulling together a lot of elements that I think are difficult to, to pull together in a cohesive way. Um, and I think the way the way that she writes Whitman just as a character was deeply impressive, like capturing <laughs> capturing all of those things that I said in a in a really plausible and like natural way. Um, I also definitely agree with Paul that this is one that's gonna this is one that's gonna stick with me. Uh, yeah, I agree with that too. Th- th- this is one that I'm gonna think back on. I, I I can't say right now that I'm gonna read it again, um, but I I I might, and I will almost certainly reread passages when we go to the Patreon segment. I want to talk about a couple of passages that are some of my favorites that I've read in a long time. I, th- I think it's amenable to just opening at random as well. Yes, it's like that kind of book. Yes, I think you're right. Um, so I felt the vibe. I, th- I thought it was just a, a subtle handling of, of a lot of difficult questions about race and Americanness, um, some difficult sort of existential questions, questions about family. We haven't even talked about his dad. I love that scene where they go to, yeah, to visit yeah. his dad. Um, so for me, it's uh, I was to me this is like a dead on four. Actually, I really enjoyed it. Right on. Nice. Before we go out, I wanted to read a really funny Goodreads review from a man named Vernon <laughs> yeah, that I right. thought was absolutely hilarious. What's sure, up, Vernon? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> know what I mean? When I picked up this book, it looked interesting. I love monkey stories, especially <laughs> especially <laughs> monkey stories that work into the mo- modern world. <laughs> yes, the 60s still count as modern. If you want to, if you want that book, go to, go read American Born Chinese. If you want a book written in stream of consciousness from a boring crazy person, read this book. I oh I just God, got to where I was boring crazy person. <laughs> it's only three three short paragraphs. I just got to where I was asking myself multiple times per page, what exactly is going on? I, I was answered with lists of buildings in San Francisco and judgments on the many people who piss Whitman off by existing. I really never found a reason to care. If this gives you any insight into how much I hated this book, I was I was so happy that my break was over at work and I could go move the biohazard cadavers and various body parts floating in super formaldehyde. What? What? This is not. At a least real I man. could get away from this drivel. I had to read this. It's so fucking That's weird. That's crazy. That's the it's like it's it's review. a mortician. Oh this my is a mortician God. that was reading this book on their break. My response it, to him loves would be. Stories. Uh, what, yeah, I love monkey stories. <laughs> he loves them dead, floating in liquid. Uh, my response would be, "Yeah, but what if? But, but that's all good." Yeah, exactly. I don't know. <laughs> yes. Just like, yeah. what if that was all really good? Yes, though? exactly. Oh, you know, I mean, that makes me think. Uh, new Patreon segment: weirdest Goodreads review for the book. That's not bad. I like that. That's not yeah, a bad idea, good. right? Nice. Yeah, you might have witnessed the crowning of some something new. Yeah. All right. We'll we'll have to think about that. Um, I do, well, man, right here, Paul. Speak. Yeah. Exactly. Um, speaking of the Patreon, uh, we have one. Um, Let's go there, <laughs> and uh, we're gonna go there and keep talking about this book. I mean, like I said, there's a lot more to say. I mean, I want to come back to Matt's point earlier about language. I want to talk about um, Lance. I want to talk about his family. I want to talk about his love life, all that stuff. Um, oh, yeah. So there's a lot more the to sexier, come. Sexier, juicier stuff. Yeah, yeah that's right. That we, You know that's got to be behind a paywall. Um, oh, baby. And, and uh, NSFW. yeah. If you go to patreon.com slash spinecrackers, you can uh, listen to the full episodes of all of the shows for $2 a month. 
uh, $5, etc. gets you more different videos, reviews, me playing Dark Souls 3, etc., etc. <laughs> um, and uh, we also do finest uh, literary and, stuff. And, and t- for two bucks, we're, you get access to the Discord, which is a lot of fun. Yes. And you can get access to the Discord, and also we're doing a new thing where you can ask us questions on Discord, and we'll yes. answer them at the end of the Patreon segment, which we're going to do at the end of this one. Correct. So uh, hopefully we see you over there. We'd love to have you in the uh, official Spinecrackers family. That's right. Yeah. Because we love, we're hippies and we love communitas. That's right. we love you. (laughs) All right. I love you directly. Is that that sexual harassment? (laughs) Let's cut, cut. Cut.